we are in a series today called Worry Free. Worry Free, just looking at peace in our finances. If you're new with us today, this is the last message in the series. So I encourage you to get online, watch the messages, really believe they'll benefit you in a wonderful way. But this is the last message in the series, and I've titled it The Right Perspective. The Right Perspective. You see, financial worries, financial stress stems from having the wrong perspective. Financial worry. Financial stress and anxiety stems from having the wrong perspective. And then we begin to worry, and worry, worrying about finances leads to bad decision-making. Worry. When my wife and I, we, we got married and living in Springfield, Missouri, we, we moved into an apartment, kind of a duplex apartment kind of setup, and, and we got a sweet deal on the apartment that we were living in. Uh, I told the, the landlord that I would be the handyman, the maintenance man. If you know anything about me, the last thing Herbert Cooper needs to be is the maintenance man. You know what I'm saying? They're not a maintenance in my body, but brother needed the rent to go down. And so I became the maintenance man. And I said, yeah, I'll pick up trash around here, make sure the light bulbs are on, on outside. I'll kind of keep things going around here for you. And he gave me a, a discount on my rent. So our rent was like $275 a month newlyweds. It was awesome. And, and my wife and I, we were happy where we were, but we decided we wanted to move into a, a house. So there was a rent house that was available. And so we were going to move into this rent house. And, and so our rent was going to go up. And so our rent was going to go from around $275 to right around $500 a month. And I know for some of you, that don't sound like a lot of money, but for us, oh my goodness, $500 a month to have a roof over our head, but we decided, you know, we're going to make that jump, and we moved into that house, and, and I, I was nervous. I was scared. I was fearful. I was worried, newlywed, living in this, this house, and $500 a month. I started thinking, we don't have any margin, no savings. We're trying to pay off our debt. What happens if we can't make the payment? And so I just decided, you know what, babe, you're in school. We've been paying uh, cash for Tiffany's college education at the time, and she was in college. I said, well, you qualify for student loan, and, and so let's just take out a loan just in case we can't make the payment on this rent house. We'll have the money in the bank. And so because of my worry and stress, I took out a student loan in my wife's name for $5,000. Put it in the bank. Talking about I got some savings. There wasn't no savings. That was a loan. <laughs> I made some foolish decisions because of worry. worry uh, worrying about money leads to bad decisions. And today what I want to do, I want to look at a gentleman in the Bible who was worried, who was consumed with, with finances. And, and he was so worried that, that his wrong perspective actually led him to make some horrific decisions, some unthinkable decisions. His, his wrong perspective actually led him and caused him to take his own life. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the 12 disciples named Judas Iscariot. And Judas, the Bible talks about him in John chapter number 12. And the scripture says this, that, that Jesus went to Lazarus' house for a party. And he was there. They were honoring Jesus. They were celebrating Jesus at this party. And, and as Jesus was at the party, 
Old Mary came over and she had a, a bottle of perfume, an expensive perfume. The Bible says it was about a year's worth of wages. And she opened the perfume up and, and she, she poured it on Jesus' feet. She was anointing Jesus' feet with the perfume, this expensive bottle of perfume. And Judas did not like it. Worried, concerned about money, consumed with money, he began to complain. He began to rebuke Mary. And as we study this story, what we find out, it, it, it reveals to us Judas's wrong perspective about money. He has some wrong perspectives. And, and today what I want us to do is I want to give you four lessons we must learn from Judas Four lessons we must learn from Judas. And, and as we look at God's word today, we're going to discover that Judas, we're going to discover Judas's wrong perspective. Why? So that we can see and learn the right perspective towards money, so that we can experience worry-free, so that we can experience God's blessings. Not the wrong perspective. We want to have the right perspective. The, the, the first thought is this: as we, we look at this text, is the first right perspective is we are stewards and God is the owner. We are stewards and God is the owner. Church, we will never experience all of God's peace and all of God's blessings upon our finances until we embrace the truth that God is the owner and we are stewards. We are, all we are, we just manage God's blessings. We are managing the resources that God has entrusted to us. But everything we have, don't miss this, it's critical. Everything we have belongs to God. He is the owner. And when we believe that we are the owners, we start not to seek God's counsel. We don't seek God's wisdom. We don't seek God's counsel on how to handle finances. We, we follow the world's wisdom. We, we follow the world's principles. We, we follow grandpa's wisdom. We follow television's principles. We, 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 we start, start handling money in a way that doesn't honor God when we think that we're owners. And when we believe we're owners, we make foolish decisions. And Judas made some really foolish decisions with finances because he had the wrong perspective. I want you to notice this in John chapter 12 and beginning in verse 4 in this story. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas was acting like an owner. He was doing things his way. He was, he was telling this lady how to handle her resources instead of asking Jesus. Jesus is in his presence, but he's not asking Jesus. He's, he's doing it his way. And actually, Judas went another level, and he wasn't just not listening to Jesus' wisdom and advice. But Judas was stealing money from Jesus. What I want you to understand is we make foolish decisions when we think we are owners. The right perspective is this. You have to understand we are not owners. We are stewards. God is the owner of everything. There's a beautiful passage of Scripture in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And, and David talks to us right here 
about how God is the owner. I want you to see this right perspective in, in 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 12. It says, wealth and honor come from you, God. You are the ruler of all things. In other words, God, you are the owner. He says, in your hands are strength. God, in your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. God, you give strength to all. And you know what people think? People think, well, I'm the owner. I worked hard for my education. I studied hard to get that degree. I, I, I put that resume together and I, I worked hard to interview. I, I worked hard to get that promotion. I, I worked hard to, to, to get that job. I, I, I'm the owner. And God would say, no, 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 no. You're not the owner. Who gave you those gifts? Who gave you that talent? Who gave you your intellect so that you could study? Who gave you breath in your body? Who gave you strength to be at that job, to give your best? God says, no, 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 you're not the owner. You are simply a steward of what I've given you. God is the owner. Verse 13 goes on to say, now our God, we give thanks and praise your glorious name. You see, owners are ungrateful. Owners have an entitlement mentality, but stewards, you know what stewards do? They thank God for everything they have. And David said, man, we thank God. We, we give you praise. We praise your glorious name. We're giving thanks to God. You see, stewards understand that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. It comes from his hand. Verse 14 goes on to say this, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. You see, David understood what many of us have to understand today. And that is God is the owner. Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. God, everything that we have comes from your hand. God, you are the owner. There was an elderly lady. She was about four foot four tall. She went grocery shopping, and perhaps it was around the holiday season, and she was grocery shopping and getting all that she needed. And as she, as she checked out the grocery store, she had her card, and she was walking to her vehicle, and as she got to her car, she noticed four men in her car, and Grandma was packing heat. Grandma pulled out her gun. She pointed, she said, I know how to use it. I will shoot you. Get out of my car. Those four men opened the doors up. They flung open. They got out of the car. They took off running down the road. I mean, they were running. Grandma put her gun back in her purse, got her groceries, put them in the car. Then grandma got in the driver's seat and closed the door, put the key in, and, and she was trying to turn, but but it wouldn't turn. She, she was trying to turn, but, but it wouldn't turn. And it dawned on grandma, I'm in the wrong car. And <laughs> grandma noticed about four slots over was her car that looked a lot like this car. And grandma got out that car, got the groceries out that car, went to her car, put them groceries in, and grandma sped off. <laughs> uh, grandma was liking like a fool over something that wasn't even hers. I'll shoot you, and we're a lot like grandma. 
we're worried and acting like a fool and trying to hold on and control like it's all ours. And God says, why are you acting like a fool? This is not yours. You don't own anything. I'm the owner. You're a steward. You got it all backwards. You're all worried and bent out of shape over stuff that's not yours. God's the owner. You're a steward. Come on, just look at your neighbor right now and say, stop acting like a fool. Go ahead and just tell him, yeah, yeah. Come on. You're not an owner. You're not an owner. You're a steward. God's the owner. Number two is this, the right perspective. The right perspective is love God, not money. Love God, not money. You see, you can be around Jesus a lot. You can be around him and still love money. Judas spent three and a half years in close proximity to Jesus but he still loved money. Judas was there and hearing all the teachings of Jesus. Judas was seeing the miracles of Jesus, seeing him walk on the water. Judas was seeing Jesus cast out demons. Judas was seeing lives changed, and yet he still loved money. People's church, this is scary. So many people go to church and hang around Jesus, but the reality is they, they still, they're still in love with money. They love money instead of God, love money instead of God. They love money and use God instead of loving, loving God and using money. And Judas was a man who, who loved money instead of God. I want you to notice this in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14, something else about Judas's life. It says, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, referring to Jesus, if I deliver Jesus over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him, to hand Jesus over. People's church, Judas was willing to turn his back on Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. In those days, that was about five weeks of wages. In today's economy, that would be around $600. He was willing to turn his back on Jesus for $600. Money was his master. Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Now, a lot of people try, but nobody does it successfully. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. And that was Judas. Judas hated Jesus, sold out Jesus because he loved money. It goes on to say, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, a lot of people try, but no one successfully. You cannot serve both God and money. I've always thought this was an interesting portion of Scripture. Jesus did not say that you cannot serve both God and the devil. That's what a lot of us would think. No, no, you can't serve both God and the devil. But, but that's not what Jesus said. He said you can't serve both God and money. You see, the number one competition for your heart, the number one competitor for your heart isn't the devil, it's money. You see, most people don't wake up in the morning saying, 
today's a new day. I'm going to serve the devil. No, that's not really your struggle. But a lot of people wake up chasing the dollar bill. A lot of people wake up with their focus on money. A lot of people wake up loving money instead of God. People's Church, are you turning your back on Jesus for $600? Are you selling out Jesus for $500? Are you not following God's word for $1,000? Do you find yourself loving money instead of God? The right perspective is love God, not money. Number three is this. Number three is this. There's a third right perspective and that is fight for contentment. Fight for contentment. Judas, Judas, one of the 12 disciples in Jesus' presence, but lacked contentment. His lack of contentment actually caused him to steal from the Savior. He lacked contentment. You see, you can be around Jesus, you can come to church and still be full of greed. And the only way to experience God's peace, the only way to experience God's blessings upon your finances is to fight. You have to fight for contentment. And Paul talked about this to, to Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And he, he talked about the importance of contentment. And he says this in verse number 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm going to say that again because I want it to sink into all of our hearts. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When you love God and it's coupled with contentment, the Bible says you now have great gain. You gain peace. You gain joy. You'll gain a deep satisfaction of knowing your life is not all about possessions and stuff, but it's about serving the living God. Great gain. Verse 7 says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Well, that's a, that's a difficult scripture for most of us. He says, listen, if you have food and you have clothing, you, you ought to be content with that. In other words, you have to fight to be content with what you have. You have to fight for because most of us, man, we're not content with what we have. And he says, listen, if you want to have great gain, you have to fight to be content. You have food, you have clothing, you have to be, fight to be content with what you have. Verse 9 goes on to say this, for those who want to get rich, they're always wanting more. They're never satisfied. They fall into temptation and a trap. The Bible says those who want to get rich, they're, they're always wanting more. They're never satisfied. The Bible says they fall into a trap. A trap is something that you can't see. They fall into a trap and into many foolish, foolish, foolish. You see, worry stems from a wrong perspective. And worry causes us to make foolish and bad decisions. And he says, fall into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, when you love money, there's nothing wrong with you having money. There's nothing wrong with you having a lot of money. 
The problem is not you having money. The problem is when money has you. And for the love of money, the scripture says, it's the love of money is the is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. griefs. And, and, and Judas is a prime example of someone who wandered from the faith because he loved money. He wandered from the faith because he loved money. People, church, we all have a little Judas in us. There's a little Judas in all of us. And if you don't fight to be content, Judas will rise up on the inside of you and start running your life and dominating your life. Your life will be full of greed instead of full full of contempt. You have to fight for contentment and to keep Judas simmered down and and, and down and, and not running your life. Fight for contentment. Number four is this there's a, a, a fourth area where we have to we have to understand and have the right perspective. Number four is break free from greed. Break free from greed. Let me remind you again about this guy named Judas. He was, a, he was one of the disciples, handpicked by Jesus, in Jesus' presence for three and a half years, ate with Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, saw, saw miracles. He was in his presence, and, and yet he still struggled with greed. Greed controlled his life. And I've seen a lot of people hang around church for a lot longer than three and a half years and never break free from greed. And, and when greed controls the human heart, It will always lead to worry. It will always lead to stress. It will always lead to heartache. It will always lead to problems when when greed controls our heart. And the way we break free from greed, the way we break greed off our lives is through generosity. And Judas heard the teachings of Jesus, but it never went from his head to his heart. It never went from his mouth and being put into action. Judas struggled with being generous. He struggled with with greed and being stingy. And the Bible actually said, after three and a half years, Judas was still at a place that he was stealing from Jesus. He criticized a lady who was being generous and giving a generous gift to Jesus, the perfume. He criticized her. Judas, greed so filled his heart, he betrayed Jesus for $600. You break greed off your life by being generous. You know, right now, I know right now, there's some tense right now. Some of you are tense. I see it on you. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Close the message, Pastor. Close the message. Say the prayer now. <laughs> I know, I know. Because you know the reality is we all struggle with greed. All of us. We we all struggle with this, yet I know we can break free from the power of greed, and we do it through being being generous. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 8, but generous people plan. Come on, everybody at all of our locations, everybody say plan. Yeah, but generous people plan to do what is generous. They plan to do what is generous. 
and they stand firm in their generosity. You see, generous people have two practices to keep their heart from being greedy, two practices to keep greed under control. And the first practice is this, they, they plan their giving. They plan, you have to plan to be generous. If you don't plan your giving, Judas will rise up on the inside of you. You, you, you have to plan to be generous. L let me tell you something about greed. Greed is the natural lean of the human heart. It's my natural lean. It's your natural lean. And if we don't plan to be generous, if we don't plan it, greed will just come and start creeping up in our life. Let me tell you, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to let the Spirit lead me when I give. No, the Spirit's not going to lead you. Judas is. You got to plan to be generous. Number two is this, there's a second practice, and that is they give consistently, consistently. It says in Isaiah 32, verse 8, they stand firm. They stand firm in their generosity. And in other words, they are steadfast. They're, they're faithful. It's their faithfulness that keeps greed from creeping into their heart, standing firm in their generosity. You know what my desire is for you? My desire is that really today, that you'd break free from greed. You'd break free through generosity. Can I tell you something about generosity? You'll never meet a greedy giver. You'll never meet a greedy giver. When you start being generous, there is something that happens on the inside of you. I want to talk to you for a few moments about two levels of giving that breaks greed off your life. I want greed to be broken off your life. Two levels of giving that breaks greed off your life. And, and the first level is called the tithe. The tithe. We, we've talked about the tithe. The tithe. Returning the first 10% of our income back to God through the local church. And when you begin to tithe, it'll break something off your life when you begin to honor God in that way. You know what statistics say that 93 to 95% of people who go to church in America do not tithe. Only 5 to 7% of people that go to church actually tithe. You know what that tells me? There's a lot of people all around America who go to church on a consistent basis who struggle with greed. That, that, that greed is a struggle in their life, and they struggle with being generous. They, they struggle with it. And, and you know what? Greed masks itself because nobody calls greed greed. You know, we justify it. Say, well, you know, I'm, I got bills. I'm upside down financially. One day, someday, Lord, you know my heart. And we, we struggle, but, but really... Greed, we, we're not being generous because greed grips, my, grips our heart. And my desire for you is that you wouldn't be a part of the 93 to 95, that you'd break greed off your life. Because listen, when greed attaches itself to your life, it only leads to worry, stress, anxiety. It only leads to problems. You have to plan the time. My wife and I, since we've been married, we've, we've always been tithers. I was a tither before I met my wife, a tither since we've gotten married. We plan, we've just planned. We've, it's always been a part of our plan. The top of our budget is our tithe. We are planning. We're not going to drift into it. I know my heart. 
I'm planning to be generous. Matter of fact, it just comes right out of our, every month it's automated. It just, comes, it just comes right out of our account every single month. I don't even touch it. Come on, somebody. I don't need to touch it. Praise the Lord. I know me. Take it. Praise the Lord. I just, just plan. You got to, listen, if you want to break greed off your life, you have to plan to be generous. You got to plan to tithe, to honor God. And there's a, there's a second level a second level of, of giving that, that'll just, just keep your heart from being greedy, and it's called offerings. Offerings. Now, there's a lot of confusing about tithe and offerings, so let me, just, let me just teach you for a moment. Tithe is returning the first 10% to God, back to the local church where you worship. That's the tithe, the first 10%. Anything that you give above the tithe to advance God's kingdom, to help the poor, to help a missionary, to start a church, whatever that might be, over and above the tithe, that's called offerings. That's called offerings. And matter of fact, I, I hear people sometimes saying this. There's nothing wrong with saying this, but, but the proper teaching is this. People say, well, I'm, I'm giving my tithe. Well, really, you're not giving the tithe. You're returning the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. Every Christian, God commands every Christian to tithe. It doesn't matter how much you make. It's the same percentage for all of us, no matter how much we make, how little we make. It's the same percentage. And it, the Bible says it's holy to the Lord. So we return the tithe. Generosity really begins after, after the tithe. So, so we actually start be, being generous and giving when we give over and above the tithe. And I can tell you this personally. Something happened in my heart and life when my wife and I began to be generous and began to give offerings. There, I was an evangelist. I was preaching at a church, and, and there was another evangelist preaching at a church in, in, in the same area, and we were at the same hotel, and we started talking. And he was quite a bit older than me. I was in my early 20s, and he began to share with me about offerings and ask me about my giving, and I'm like, man, who are you? I don't know you like that. Why are you? I, I do. I'm generous. I tithe. He says, no. He says, Herbert, there's another level. You can get to there's another level. I'm like, no, I tithe. He said, no. And he started showing me scripture and started teaching me. I was like, huh. And I'll never forget the first check for my wife and I was the first time we gave a $1,000 check above, above our tithe. The number's not important. That was just our number. And something happened in my heart when I started being generous. I'm telling you, the Judas started getting under control when I started being generous towards others, towards God's kingdom, something happened in my heart. And can I tell you, it just took us to another level, my wife and I, to God be all the glory. But we've been able to be generous throughout our life. We've been able to give two vehicles away to people. We've been able to give to the poor and help start churches. We've been able to help, come on, we helped to give, to build these buildings. We, we've been able just to be generous to people over in Haiti and around the world. We've been able just to be generous above our tithe. And friends, can I tell you, something takes place on the inside. It breaks greed. It keeps greed under control. And the second thing it does, it positions you to be blessed by God. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. It's a principle in God's word that when we're generous, God does bless us. It says, be stingy. In other words, be greedy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The Bible teaches stingy people, they actually lose. They go backwards in life. Greed never works out in the end. 
I believe this church, I believe if Judas could stand before us today and he had the mic, I believe Judas would say this, people's church, don't be greedy. Don't be stingy. It doesn't work out for you in the end. I know, I hung around Jesus. I was in church all the time. I saw the miracles. But greed had a hold of my heart. I believe Judas would say, be generous. Be generous. God blesses the generous. I'd encourage you, if you're not a tither, start today. Tithe, honor God. It'll do something in your heart. You say, well, God bless Yeah, God will bless you. He's so faithful. But I'm telling you what it will do in your heart. What will break free in your heart when you start putting God first. It'll break. The Bible says in Malachi that, that he, he breaks the curse. He removes the curse. The, 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 he rebukes the enemy for your sake. I mean, there's something spiritual that takes place in your heart when you can't begin to tithe and be generous. I encourage you, if you're, if you're a tither, maybe you're hearing this teaching for the first time, somebody teaching you, there's another level of generosity, offerings above the tithe. And I want to encourage you, we, we've got the toys that you can buy and be generous to Salvation Army, the boxes at all the locations. We have all of our Dream Builder projects. If you're new with our, to our church today, go to the website, peopleschurch.tv, and there's $500,000 worth of projects. The vast majority of them are outside of our church. The Salvation Army and, and Haiti and starting churches around America and the City Rescue Mission that our church is being generous towards. We just believe in generosity. We believe in making a difference. So I want to encourage you. This last message today, as I wrap up, here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you, this is your church home, would you pray about this today? In the back of seat pockets all around you, there's Dream Builder cards. And I realize not for everybody. If you're not a tither, you don't even need to grab a card. You begin by just returning the tithe. But I'm talking to some of you that, that you are tithers, and you're like, Pastor, God's speaking to me. I want to be generous. I want to be generous. Would you grab one of these cards out of the back of a seat pocket? You can make a one-year commitment just above your tithe and just plan to be generous in 2017. And I encourage you to grab one of these cards, fill it out today, and as you leave out the auditorium and all of our locations, there are offering boxes on the walls. Just drop this card filled out. Let us know what the Lord is speaking to your heart to be generous. You're going to help us change lives. And I'm, what I'm excited about as well is that your life is going to be changed as you're generous to God. And here's what I want you to pray about. Everybody in our church, on December the 11th, we're, talking, we're taking a vision offering. Just all of us praying about what we can give over and above our tithe to advance the vision of the church, to, to accomplish these projects. And my wife and I, we're sacrificing. We're planning, we're, we're cutting back some areas, we're, we're going to take money out of our savings to be generous on that offering day. And would you pray about a sacrificial gift that you'd be generous to the Lord on that day? Maybe for some of you, it's, you're going to double tithe that month. Instead of 10% in month of December, it's going to be 20%. Maybe somebody is selling some stock and giving or selling some, some real estate. Perhaps you get an end of the year bonus and you say, God, I'm, gonna be I'm not going to think about myself this time. I'm going to be generous and advance your kingdom this year. Come on, for somebody is cutting back your Starbucks drinks. Praise the Lord. I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to be generous. And here's what will happen. It will break greed off your life. It will keep Judas in check. And it will position you to be blessed by God. I close with Proverbs 11 verse 24 again. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. 
the generous will prosper.